When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. See Chicago hockey insider Jay Zawaski. Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards. He shoots his goal. Down to the tanks. A game winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, circle of drives, get the drive, The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's gonna be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincin Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Another day, another special edition of the Madhouse <laughs> Chicago Hockey Podcast. It seems like we cannot get away from these lately, but we have another one on this fine Saturday as Illinois football defeated Minnesota. Wait, I'm being told that is not why Jay Zawoski and James Naveau have gathered to speak to you this day. It is because the Blackhawks have officially parted ways with head coach Jeremy Colleton, just the latest domino to fall with this organization. Jay and I were talking before the show that it just seems like we've done one of these special edition shows basically once a week for the last month or so. And here we are again, Jeremy Colleton, no longer the head coach of the Blackhawks. Derek King has been named the interim head coach. Uh, Jay Zawoski, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the floor. You uh, give us your thoughts first, man. Well, thanks everybody. First of all, for joining us. We always appreciate it. You can follow us on our social media at Madhouse Pod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore pod. We are Madhouse, uh, Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. So we're pretty easy to find these days. Uh, sale going on through tonight. If you're listening to this on Saturday at our T Public Shop, that link is in our bio. So jump on and grab some Madhouse Podcast merch. Yeah, I, I think, you know, after the 5 1 loss to Winnipeg, which to me was rock bottom in a season full of rock bottoms, just coming out, completely laying an egg to start. You're down to nothing. You see Marc-Andre Fleury getting annoyed. The team just is lifeless. And once again, after the game, Jeremy Cowan just has to say, we have to play 60 minutes. We have to play harder, blah, blah, blah. No answers. The guy had no answers, and this had to be done. This absolutely had to happen. 
uh, that he could, could not have coached another game after last night. I was going to do a podcast, but I was just too mad to do one. <laughs> it just didn't feel like it. Um, and the right move has been made. And it's good to see that interim GM Kyle Davidson does seem to have some power. This move was laid at the feet of Davidson. That's what Danny Wirtz said. He said this was his call. He had our full support in this decision. Um, and I know fans had some concerns whether or not the Hawks would eat the money on Cowleton after just signing him to an extension in January, but they didn't. They made, did the right thing. Now we wait for what's next. Derek King, if you did not hear the news, the Rockford head coach will take over as the interim coach. Mark Crawford is still here. Chris Kunitz is still here. Sheldon Brookbank and Thomas Mattel have been relieved of their duties along with Colleton. So that's how it's going to look. Derek King at the top with Mark Crawford and Chris Kunitz there on the bench with him. Um, so here we go. Then Now we wait for the new Stan Bowman. And if you were uh, around the uh, internet over the last few days, you probably saw some rumors about Eddie Olchek sort of gunning for that president of hockey ops job. Uh, wouldn't shock me if that happened. I'm not reporting anything. I don't know anything officially or formally, but it would not surprise me if that was the move. Uh, and then from there, we'll see what happens at head coach. Big names available as, for coaches right now. Um, Claude Julian is available. John Tortorella is available. And if the hockey ops guy is a hire like Eddie Olchek, right? Kind of an old school guy. I could definitely see the Hawks making a move like that. I think the move here is veteran coach. I don't know if, if the next Jeremy Cowton is the right kind of guy for this job, um, but it all depends on who they hire as the hockey apps guy. And something to keep in mind, they just went through this, right? Remember, Stan Bowman was promoted to director of hockey apps, but there were conversations and interviews held for that position. They talked to a lot of people. So they've got fresh resumes you know, in their file, if they didn't shred those files too, um, that they can go to for hockey apps, people for GMs, they've got a, a whole bunch of recent contacts in mind. And, uh, I think that this thing is going to move pretty quickly here. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of people were kind of reacting like, who the heck is Derek King? Why is this guy who hasn't really been all that successful as the head coach of the Rockford ice hogs? Why is he getting bumped up to the top job? I definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, get the sense that this is going to be kind of a placeholder position for him. I don't think that he's going to be the permanent answer as head coach. I don't think that we have to worry about going down the same path that they went down when they hired Jeremy Colleton from Rockford and then made him the full-time head coach. I don't see that happening. No, remember, there were Colleton a couple was, of, sorry to interrupt you, but Colleton was never interim. That was, right. He, he got was, promoted straight from Rockford to Chicago, and they yes. never said he was interim. You are correct. But I was saying that that pipeline is not going to continue to um, bear – I, I totally screwed up the analogy, but I don't care. The pipeline <laughs> is not going to continue to flow. That is not going to be what ends up happening. I would imagine that, obviously, if he comes in and – you know, is 8-0 or whatever it is. I think that the Blackhawks would give some serious thoughts of just letting him stick around for a while, but I would get the sense that they want to probably go in a more veteran direction. I think the thing that you hit on, there were two kind of reactions that I had to the news that they had fired Colleton, one of which was that Kyle Davidson does seem to be he has seemed to be given the reins of the team moving forward. I thought that it was noteworthy that Danny Wirtz was allowing him to make this decision. I think, as you alluded to earlier, it was clearly the only option that the 
Blackhawks had. I think that they absolutely had to do this based on their record, based on their underperformance, based on their lack of development. You shouted it out again last night, who is a single player aside from Alex DeBrincat, who has taken appreciable steps forward under the developmental coach that was Jeremy Colleton. I can't name a single one. I think that you were absolutely right in that analysis. But I think that Kyle Davidson being given that freedom to make that decision, I thought was very interesting and does speak to him having some type of a role with the team, even if they end up promoting somebody to president of hockey operations. I could see potentially a guy like Ed Zoe being in that top job, especially then if they keep Kyle Davidson as the GM, I think already having Ed Zoe kind of in the orbit of the organization, I think kind of would still speak to Kyle Davidson being kept around. But the fact that he was allowed to make that choice, I thought really stood out. And then the other thing that really stood out to me is that the Blackhawks in their statements about the firing of Jeremy Colleton kind of tacitly endorse the criticism that a lot of people, including us, have had of Jeremy Colleton and that his system was bad. It was garbage there. The exact quote from Kyle Davidson was, our on-ice goal remains the same to build an elite system of hockey, and we have not delivered on that. No duh, Sherlock. <laughs> that That is quite possibly understatement of the century type territory, but I think it was very clear Jeremy Colleton's system was not working, was never going to work. And I think that what you're going to see moving ahead from the Blackhawks here in the next couple of games, especially, you're not going to see a massive overhaul of the system. We've talked about that before. It's very hard to implement an entire new system on the fly. I just envision Derek King going, we're going to keep things as simple as possible. We are going to try to have our top two lines try to score goals. Our bottom two lines are going to be more defensive grinder lines. We're not going to have all these switches happening. Sure, we'll pinch every so often. You have to do that, but we're not going to have this constant cycling of guys around the ice. I just envision there being kind of a lot simpler of a game plan put into place. Yeah, and that's what they should do. You know, implement a simple, basic NHL system and let your talented players play. They've got a lot. The Hawks have a lot of talented players. They they free really Dylan Strom. <laughs> yeah, really. That's probably if, going to happen now. Yeah, we'll see. I, I just uh, I, I want to get back to the Eddie O thing, and I, I want to make a couple things clear here. I I am not reporting anything. I don't know if anything's imminent or anything like that, but I do know for a fact that Eddie has been wanting to, wanting to get involved from a hockey ops uh, angle for a long time. Like that's not a secret. He's wanted to get back in the game from the non-broadcast side. Um, and it, it, it's, I don't know if I like Eddie. I know Eddie. I have a relationship with Eddie. So I'm, I'm rooting for him to get what he wants. I, would I like to see maybe a little more of a younger, newer approach to things hired? Yes, probably. However, um, the Hawks are aware of their status with the fan base right now. And I think they need, and I think they think they need to bring in names, names that people like, names that people recognize. And I think hiring Eddie Olchek to run the hockey ops side of things would be a big move to appease some of these disgruntled fans. And look, there are fans, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of those Hawks fans that's never going to go away, right? You might get pissed, you might not buy tickets, but you're always going to be watching. They need to kind of recapture some of these fans who have you know, lost interest when they got bad and got frustrated through all this stuff. And I think hiring Eddie Olchek would, would go a long way into making fans feel good 
about well, the Well, yeah, because he genuinely cares about the team, right? I would say that's a fair statement. And and look, I like I said, I would probably like to see something a little more innovative, but I I, th- I think that he would do a good job. The guy knows the game. He knows the league. He knows every coach, every GM. He's seen every player play. Like The guy's got his finger on the pulse of the league. I, I don't think there's any question about that. What I, what I would worry about would be his um, scouting, you know, his drafting, those sort of things. But that's when you bring in a GM and you hire a scouting staff and all those mm-hmm. things to handle those sort of things. So, um, look, and I, I'm not writing off Kyle Davidson either. I don't I don't really know much about him, but he's he seemingly paid his dues in the league. And maybe that's and a guy seemingly got the ear of Danny Wirtz. Yeah. And that's important. I mean, you know, I think it is. I, I don't want to like. It's not like firing Jeremy Cowan was like a gutsy move. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like people are like, what? Oh, my gosh. It's, that it, took some cojones. Like, I wonder if D- Kyle Davidson, he's empowered. Does he have the power to trade Patrick Kane today? Eh, I don't know about that kind of power, but he's got the power to make the obvious move that has to get made, right? So, right. Um, I don't know. I'm just- I think the real question will be whether he would be allowed to hire a full-time head coach. Obviously, if he's allowed to do that, then that is... That's right. a big vote of confidence. I would think they want to wait for their hockey ops guy to be in charge for that, though. I, probably. I think, and that's probably I, if that's made. the direction they're going. I absolutely agree. So I did an interview on the score today, um, and I was asked, uh, "Is the season at all salvageable? Right? Is there any chance the Hawks get back into this thing?" And while my first response was absolutely not, there's 70 games to go here. Mm-hmm. Do you see any way? They've got four points on the board. They're one, nine, and two. Is there any way in hell you could see them even sniffing a playoff spot at this point? Oof. It's going to be really tough with how well a lot of teams have obvious have started out this season. Um, I, You look at the Pacific Division, for example. Edmonton and Calgary have both raced out to really good records. The Blues and the Wild both have really good records. The Jets are 6-2-2. Two, and two. The Blackhawks are already kind of well out of a playoff spot right now, but I think that there is something to the idea that they could start to play better, that that simplicity could be their friend. We see it. We used to see it all the time on the road when the Blackhawks were in their heyday, that whenever they would go on the road, their game would kind of become more simple, that they would definitely they would score more goals they would be more effective defensively and yes I know they have three more games at home so that analogy doesn't completely work but at the same time when you look at the schedule they do have Nashville which is a team you thought they would be competitive with or maybe a little bit better than to kind of start this season I think that that is a game the Blackhawks could win they have the Penguins again get them off this it's kind of weird that they'll already be done playing Carolina and Pittsburgh after Tuesday night. That is very strange that they'll have already checked both those boxes, but then they have Arizona coming to town. There are a couple of kind of get right games that I see coming up that can maybe start to slowly turn the momentum. The only thing you can do is to try to get two points each night, and especially in those games, I guess, against Western Conference opponents, you prevent them from getting any points. Those are the opportunities the Blackhawks are going to have to make a little bit of hay at home and kind of get the wheel going in the right direction. But then you look at that road trip. You look at the trip to Edmonton. You look at the trip to Calgary. You look at the trip to Vancouver. 
the key is going to be to go out and get four or five, at least four or five points out of the next six that are available. I think that you can only swallow up this deficit two points at a time. That's all they can focus on. And the fact that they're going to be kind of simplifying their game, I think that is probably going to be their friend coming up. That simplicity is going to be the real key because they do have a couple of really tough games coming up against those teams at the, on that road trip at the end of November. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to how it's going to look differently. You know what I mean? Like I, we, we're not. I, I want to be clear too, and I think I can speak for you on this too. We're not laying all of this at the feet of Jeremy Cowton. No, of course. Jeremy Cowton's no. system is not telling Kelvin Dehan to throw a blind pass up the middle of the ice, then chase that pass, and then be caught flat-footed. You, you know what I mean? Like that's that's not the system. Making bad decisions is not the system. Well, now, I don't think ma- I don't think making bad decisions is any system, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um. I so t- checking in with a source earlier today when was getting kind of wind that things were going to happen and I think when I was speaking to the source they knew that this was happening but couldn't tell me um screw that source how mean of them (laughs) you know I so the source says something will change the team has not bought in or can't play the system and it starts with number 19 that's Taves and I think they should have changed the system to work around him so again we talked about earlier this season what is Jonathan Taves's return going to mean for Jeremy Cowton, right? And we knew that that relationship, maybe not personally, but professionally, was a little bit rocky, right? Uh, Taze was not a huge fan and never really took to things. We know the same was the case was the same with Brent Seabrook, who's now on the Tampa Bay Lightning, air quotes. <laughs> and uh, Edmonton Oiler Duncan Keith were not big fans of Cowton. Uh, Patrick Kane, we know, was someone who did kind of embrace the new you know, the new style, he's always been a big numbers guy. But I, again, I'm just curious to see what just having, I tweeted last night during the game, can't the Hawks just be normal? Can't they just have a game? Like I watch other games around the league and I'm not like, these guys aren't incompetent. They're losing, but they're playing a system that makes sense. They're making sensible moves, right? Like their their approach to attack and defend is something that makes sense to my hockey brain. Mm-hmm. Only the Hawks have this weird, like, what the hell are they doing kind of a feel to them. And it either looks like they're world beaters or it looks like the world will beat them. There is never an in-between. And again, I, I just want to go back again to Cowlton's post-game comments last night. All he's got is effort and commitment and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, say something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Say something that matters. And, you know, maybe he's this genius behind closed doors. But look, but even before Bowman was gone, we knew that Stan was the only guy that really believed in Jeremy Cowton. And I think it's going to show when we look around what happens to Jeremy Cowton from here. I don't think he's getting an NHL job for a long time. Maybe he gets hired in the American Hockey League. Maybe some team overseas hires him and say, hey, we brought in a former NHL coach. And that's got some cachet over there. But I don't think you're going to see any teams chomping at the bit to hire Jeremy Cowlton in, in any way, not NHL yeah. teams anyway. No, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that he'll he's still young enough where I definitely think he'll get another chance of some kind. I think that the European uh, route is probably – that's a smart assertion by you, I think. I think that's probably where he would end up going when all this is said and done. But – I think the things that we're going to see with Derek King is kind of a twofold 
um, change, a sea change. One obviously is going to be a very, it's going to be a simpler system, I think, because you're not going to try to reinvent the wheel 12 games into a season. I think you kind of ease that in a little bit. And then the other thing I'm really hoping for is everybody that I've seen talking about Derek King today has mentioned that he is a very blunt person. He will tell you if something's good. He will tell you if something sucks. I'm looking forward to that kind of honesty and not just repeated cliches about effort and things like that. I want Derek King to tell me what he thinks works and what doesn't. I don't want it to, at the end of the day, just be about effort. And I think that we hopefully are off of that cliche train and maybe getting onto another one about strategy and about X's and O's. And I'm not asking him to give me everything. I know hockey coaches are notorious for trying to safeguard their competitive advantages, but at least give me something. And I think that Derek King, I'm getting the vibe that he's going to do that. And frankly, that will be a refreshing change. So if you don't know the Derek King story, Derek King played 830 games in the NHL, um, I'm so, uh, is that right? Yes, 830 games in the NHL, mostly with the New York Islanders. Also played for Hartford, the Leafs, and the Blues for a brief time. Boy, the Blackhawks have had great luck hiring guys who played for the Islanders <laughs> and the Whalers. So he took over as the Rockford head coach halfway through the 2018-19 season. You know why? He replaced because Jeremy, Jeremy Colleton. Exactly. Who, by the way, lasted exactly three years in his job. I thought that was really interesting that he got fired on the anniversary of them firing Joel Quenville. Yeah, three years to the day of the Joel Quenville firing, Jeremy Colleton yep. was fired. Uh, so when he took over for Colleton, he went 29-28-0. and 0-0-7. That's a 508 win percentage out of the playoffs. 2019-20, 29-30, 0-4. 2020-21, and this year with Rockford, the Ice Hogs are two and four in their six games. Excuse me, I got like some reflux going on here. And about to uh, make their uh, home debut tonight, and their head coach is now gone. <laughs> but something to keep in mind when you're like, "Whoa, he sucked at Rockford." Remember, every prospect of value the Blackhawks had was basically called up to the Hawks right away, right? Mm -hmm. Like like Doc and Bodan and Boquist and. Some of those guys were down there for a while, but for the most part, if it was a guy, kind of guy that was going to make an AHL team great, uh, they were called up and playing for the Hawks for the vast majority of the time. But and we've already mentioned the way the Blackhawks approach their minor league team. It is strictly to make the NHL team better. The Chicago Wolves don't approach it like that and therefore have more success at the AHL level than the Ice Hogs do. Right. The that Wolves has have, been yeah. drilled into us repeatedly. Yeah, definitely. So... I will say, though, the people that follow the Rockford Icehawks closely, um, and you can find them on Twitter, like Mario Chirabasi and Greg Boyson and yep. on and on and on, they don't seem to think Derek King is a permanent NHL-style head coach. They think he's a good AHL head coach. So this is not the name to really cling to. What I do think is interesting, though, is that Mark Crawford was not fired but not named the interim coach. That's very curious to me. And when Kyle Davidson meets the media tomorrow, I hope that's one of the questions he is asked because I'd like to know, you've got a guy on the bench with NHL chops. Why not just push him into the head coach role? Then you're not messing with things in Rockford, right? You bring Kunitz on the bench. You've still got... Um, I, I will point out you know. Mark Crawford is still in the COVID protocol. I know he came out the other day. No, he's not. He's not going to be there. I think I just read that, that he's not going to be on the bench Sunday. 
Ah, interesting. Okay, I thought he was um, just I'm, removed. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. You you are correct. That was an old article. It said he was still... It, it, you're correct. Yeah, he yeah, was removed. So he was removed on the second. He wasn't there last yesterday because of the same reason Stillman and Kara weren't there. There you Because go. of the Canadian COVID protocols. Correct. So, yes. So he's still there. Crawford is, is there and going to be there. I, I would like to know why he was not considered. Or maybe he was. Or maybe they're looking at him as a full-time sort of thing, and they're just going to wade through the situation here with Derek King and head coach. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know why you would do that, though. That doesn't make sense to me. What? Which one? Just, why wouldn't you just make him the interim coach if you're interested in potentially hiring him full-time? Wouldn't yeah. you want to start the clock on that now and kind of get the feel for how he's going to run things? He's familiar with all the players. I think that that would be – a logical thing to do. I don't think that it makes much sense to keep him on the bench and then just have Derek King coach a couple of games. That seems kind of silly to me. Uh, could it be, and this is something that maybe we've forgotten about, uh, there was the story that came out a while ago about him being a bit of an abusive coach. Remember, he took his leave of absence, apologized. He actually did say the, the right things at the time and said, hey, I was a different guy. I was immature. I've yep. I've gotten help. I've gone through therapy i've gone through treatments to to become a better man definitely uh, i'm sure that that situation is weighing on the hawks because if they had just named him head coach you know that story would be written so that could be something that they're aware of well, too so. well then why is he still on your bench then like that's the million dollar question then yeah i i hope that question is asked to kyle davidson look maybe kyle davidson just thinks that Derek king is a better fit for head coach that could be the answer which yeah, is, which is fine. I'm just, totally fine. We'll I, we'll wait to hear from him tomorrow morning. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to be locked and loaded on that. Uh, by the way, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friend Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. So if you're hurt at work, uh, you're hit, you're on, on your bike or your motorcycle and someone else's negligence has injured you, reach out to Kent Sinson. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf. Call now. Going to take a quick time out and come right back. Tie up some loose ends here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski out here in Homewood. James Naveau is there in Kankakee at his palatial Naveau Estates. Want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Huge weekend for Fry the Coop. They have released their collaboration with Pipeworks Brewing. Yep, it's called Chicken versus Unicorn, and you can get it at any Fry the Coop location right now. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Go get some of the best damn Nashville hot chicken you've ever had, and you will get, as well, the Pipeworks and Fry the Coop collaboration, Chicken versus Unicorn. You're not going to want to miss that. So go check them out. Go to frythecoop.com to check out their menu, to place your order online, or again, dine in and try that chicken versus unicorn because that is limited for now. They're going to release it for full time next year, 
but they made, I think, 71 barrels of it for the uh, various locations of Fry the Coop. So once that's gone, it's gone for a while. So if you want to try that, if you're a Pipeworks fan, get out there and give that a shot. You're going to love it. All right. Tomorrow, James, we've been talking about it a few times at 11 a.m. Derek King and Kyle Davidson will meet the media. What do you want to hear from both those guys, but probably more specifically Kyle Davidson? I am intrigued to know. I'm sure he won't dive too far into this. I would simply like to know how much uh, kind of leverage, how much of the wheel he's been given, so to speak. I think that that'll kind of inform a lot of what I think about what he's trying to do. Is he kind of just trying to manage day by day while they search for a president of hockey ops, uh, just kind of an in idea of how quickly they're wanting that process to move along, I think is going to be interesting from him and just kind of how much freedom he's been given. Uh, in terms of hearing from Derek King, simply put, what do you anticipate changing from the previous regime? I know that he's going to say all the right things about Jeremy Colleton and what a good dude he is, but let's get to brass tacks here. I think that Everybody wants to know, is the system getting dumped and what do you kind of intend to do differently? Yeah, I would love to hear specifics from either guy on what they thought of the and they're again, you're right. They're not going to bag on Jeremy Colleton, but I think they could say, you know, what are we looking to implement here, Derek, when you're coaching tonight against Nashville? What are the sort of things you're going to implement system wise that that might look different? I would like to hear some specifics and I know coaches just don't typically offer that stuff. But like you said earlier, what we have heard about Derek King is he's pretty upfront and he's pretty honest and he he's free to talk about stuff. Now, this is the NHL. It's a different sort of thing. He's going to have different sort of reins on him probably from uh, upper management. But I, that's what I'm curious here is what's going to look different. Like if we watched the game against Winnipeg and then we watched tomorrow night's game against Nashville, what's going to look different and how much can be changed quickly and how much is going to have to be implemented over time? That's, those are two things I'm curious about from Derek King. Well, you, I mean, he's had to take over a team midstream before when he uh, took over the Ice Hogs. So yeah. he has a little bit of experience doing that, even though it's obviously at a different level. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with Davidson. Is is What is your level of power? What are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Uh, you know, if you wanted to make wholesale changes, like if you if you want to trade Seth Jones, could he do that? I don't know, right? Like wow. the, that's kind of the question. <laughs> I, I don't know if he was like, "Oh, I hated that move from the periphery, and I'm getting rid of him now." The dude's uh, on pace for what eighty assists or something like that. I know, boy, that he had a horrible start last night. Oof, <laughs> he was almost directly responsible for three goals. And you know, I'm a Seth Jones fan, and I like the way yeah. he's played for most of the year. But his the first half of the first period for him was brutal. He's a nine and a half million dollar Eric Gustafson is what. He, <laughs> no, that's not true. That's a lie. I just wanted to make Jay angry. You did. Congratulations. It worked. Um, and then I also sort of I want to get some uh, I want to get some clarity on the uh, Mark Crawford thing. Why was not Mark Crawford considered? And if he was, what was your thought in skipping him over and bringing in uh, uh, what's his name? Derek King. Derek King. Wow. I already don't remember the name of the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. We are on the pulse. Our finger is on the pulse of this team. I know. It's just like I whoever it is, it's not Colin. Yeah. That, 
Who? What do you? Th- what do you expect from not Cowatin, the head? Coach? I totally blanked on <laughs> Kyle Davidson's name earlier, so I completely understand. It's just such an easy name. Like it's so it's so run of the mill that it's almost easy to forget. Oh, definitely would be featured in NHL 22 as a <laughs> fake GM is what that would be. Yes. All right, we're gonna wrap things up here, but before we do, um, I want to take a minute, and James wants to take a minute. Um, something crazy has happened to us over the last week. And I don't know when we started this little thing as the big Novowski Chicago hockey podcast on the score site, we were recording in the WBBM studios and at Lewis university. Don't forget. And at, uh, Olivet Nazarene university. Yep. Um, when did we start 2017, right? Uh, no, 2015, 2015. Good Lord. Um, so we, this week, have reached the 1 million download mark in the history of this podcast. 1 million listens of the Madhouse podcast since we started this thing. And I know that like probably the first six or seven months are not counted here because it's a different RSS feed. So we're probably well over that. But officially, the Madhouse podcast has hit the 1 million listener mark. And um, I, I haven't really checked in a long time. There's this thing called Apple Podcast Connect where they sort of give you the overall performance of a podcast over time. And I check it every six months or so, just out of curiosity. This week I checked. I saw we were close, and we have indeed eclipsed the 1 million listen mark. And uh, it's incredible, and it's humbling. And thank you all, Uh, whether you've been here since 2015, whether you're new to the podcast, you played a role in that number and uh, James and I greatly appreciate it. This this podcast has been life changing in a lot of ways, and um, and you guys are a huge part of it. Without you, it's nothing. So thank you all so much for listening. And uh, man, a million downloads is something I never could even fathom. And we're there, and we're not going anywhere. And I have to say, even though the news has been bad, our podcast is just getting more and more popular. And uh, we had nine thousand listeners to the Stan Bowman resignation podcast. We had 5,800 plus listeners to the podcast after the win against Ottawa. It's just been absolutely unbelievable. Um, what you guys have done for us and we appreciate it. And it makes it all worth it when we see like, Holy cow. Um, this many people have listened, this many people enjoy it. And we've, we've reached this many people. It's really incredible. So thank you. I know we mentioned during the kind of aftermath of our podcast about the Kyle Beach allegations that the fact that so many people reached out to us to thank us for being sensitive, for being, you know, very open with our emotions, that kind of stuff has made this podcast very much worth doing. The community that I know every podcast host and every radio host talks about the community that they kind of build around their brand or whatever it is, but I didn't really understand the power of that until I started doing this, and it really does make it completely worthwhile and so enriching and so rewarding to talk to every single one of you that comprises the community that's kind of sprouted up around this podcast, and I never thought that I would have that. I always had wanted to host a podcast, but I never really took into account just how impactful that would be. So thank you all so much for 
really enriching my life with the way that you've embraced us and embraced this show and the conversations that we've had both on air and off air. I think that I speak for Jay when I say that that has made a world of difference to me. It has filled my heart with a lot of joy, and I really do appreciate all you guys and everything that you have done for us. Without you guys, this podcast would not be what it is, and obviously, Jay, without you, this podcast wouldn't be what it is either, and I know... We obviously had known each other before we had done the show, but for as great as you are as a podcast host and as awesome of a producer as you are, you're an even better friend. And that's been uh, the other thing that's really stood out to me throughout all of this is the friendship we've developed. And I wanted to thank you for that. You are you're a good dude, Jay Zawoski. Don't change. Shut up. I appreciate it, buddy, and I could not have asked for a better partner on a podcast, and uh, you were my first choice, and it was the right choice, man. Honestly, it's been an amazing ride, so here's to one million, uh, and here's to the next million, right? To the moon! And hopefully, when the next time we're, we're toasting a million, it's a million dollars, as well as a million listeners. That would also be great. How, how do you think I afforded this house? <laughs> yeah, we've not... Just to be clear, it's nowhere near a dollar per download, we have learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we should also thank the sponsors that have been with us uh, since day one, whether they're still here or not. Triple Threat Sports have been with us since day one. Marishka's Rabbit Brewing was with us. Obviously, Fry the Coop, the Simpson Law Group. Um, I miss anybody. Dr. Squatch was with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of great sponsors over the years. I know we're going to be adding some more in the new year. Maybe some familiar names will be coming back. There's a little bit of a hint. Um, Teaser. But look, we're excited, uh, you know, and uh, thank you so much, really. Uh, I think we've said a, thank you enough, but a million is is significant, and we want to make sure you guys knew about that. So thanks for being part of it. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.